Okay, we're calling Dr. Ray Pete now, and I think we're all connected with him, and we're going to do it. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Dr. Ray Pete is a Ph.D. in biology, University of Oregon, specialization in physiology. He's taught schools all over the place, University of Oregon, Urbana College, Montana State University, National College, Naturopathic Medicine. He started uh, years ago with progesterone-related hormones, 1968, and uh, he's been working to both practical and theoretical aspects of the of uh, all this work that he does, which has been a very, very long time. I believe it's about 85 years around the sun. I believe that's what he said. Dr. Pete, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Very good. Are you really 85 revolutions around the sun? No, no. <laughs> uh, yesterday I saw a thing on the internet saying I'm 83, but I'm really only 82. Oh, 82. So, oh gosh, I mean, we can't believe everything that we read on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one place said it was 114. <laughs> That's right. This guy's been around so long, man. He's 114. Uh, he's 114. Who are some of your like real heroes in the in the field of uh, health and nutrition and healing, Doctor Pete? The work that you do—some real heroes for you. Oh, um, uh, I uh, read lots of old books that the family had, uh, early 20th century and uh, mid. Uh, 19th century even, uh, uh, lot, lots of the people were uh, not very well known, but uh, there was a lot of good information in, in the medical uh, culture that was pushed aside uh, starting uh, uh, around the Second World War. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry really took over medicine, but uh, for example, one of my uh, early interests was uh, uh, a doctor who uh, wrote columns in the newspapers for many years, uh, Walter C. Alvarez, a mm. gastroenterologist, mm. Uh, and he uh, uh, he was in in a way pushing uh, a conventional line. For example, that uh, the 19th century doctors uh, believed in uh, uh, food. Uh, digestion poisoning, uh, bacterial poisoning in the intestine, and he wanted to disprove that, uh, showing that uh, toxins didn't cause headaches. Uh, so he, uh, to show that it was just a, a myth, nothing uh, very subtle or chemical, he uh, stuffed his medical students' rectums with, with cotton wads, <laughs> and uh, all of those who were susceptible to headaches got a headache just from the cotton pressure. And and he showed, uh, he, he said that uh, this disproves the idea that headaches are uh, caused by toxicity in the intestine. But, of course, he, that didn't logically prove anything, just that pressure is enough uh, and toxins often lead to pressure in the intestine. Uh, and uh, a lot of Russians were showing the interaction of the nervous system w with the intestine yes. uh, around that same time. Uh, nervism was a 19th century uh, uh, concentration 
or, or theory of medicine in Russia, uh, and uh, uh, they they saw the the nervous system as uh, controlling sickness, uh, and so the interaction of the digestive system and the brain uh, w- was a big topic of research in Russia. Uh, they showed that uh, if you put a balloon in an animal's intestine and, and inflated it, uh, nothing would happen if the animal's blood sugar was good. Uh, but if you lowered the blood sugar and inflated the intestine, then it would cause uh, all kinds of things, asthma, seizures, uh, hmm. the equivalent of, of headache, vascular uh, distortions all through the organism. Uh, so the combination of uh, energy uh, uh, in the form of blood sugar and uh, stress in the intestine will cause that whole range of so-called psychosomatic ailments. Uh, and uh, uh, some uh, uh, French Canadians uh, following uh, uh, Hans Selye uh, showed that the, the immune system similarly interacts with the intestine and the energy supply. That if if you drop the uh, blood glucose level, uh, the intestine becomes extremely sensitive to allergens that otherwise wouldn't be noticed. Uh, so so the energy uh, and uh, the, the brain, which has the highest requirement for uh, glucose. Uh, as its energy source. Uh, these are behind uh, the psychosomatic and allergic uh, mm-hmm. ailments. Mm-hmm. So it's fair to say then there is so many different components um, in the nervous system and everything um, with the way we think and all that that are contributing to all the gut issues that are out there today. Blood sugar... Um, uh, yeah, about 20, 30 years ago, hmm. uh, some psychologists uh, were demonstrating that uh, helplessness, learned helplessness, uh, uh, training the brain to believe hmm. that escape is in, impossible, uh, made the, the whole organism shut down. Uh, the, the heart would stop beating in a few minutes rather than a few hours if the uh, animal was convinced that escape was possible. Uh, so mm. the whole organism uh, is either energized or shut down by the perspective uh, uh, that's possible. Uh, and uh, so insight becomes a life-saving matter. So, wow, you you can extrapolate that out, Dr. Pete, and just think all the things physiologically going on with people who are feeling trapped in their life or trapped in their job or their relationship or, you know, just trapped on planet Earth and don't know, have a good sense of why they're here, that kind of thing, and what kind of factors that would play on their their physical health. Uh, yeah, I've seen that happen just with medic- medical diagnosis. Yeah. The doctor tells a person that they have an incurable disease and they pretty soon die. Is it any surprise to you after all these years that that we're so inextricably connected with everything that we think and believe and feel along with all the other factors? I mean, is it surprising to you that this thing was all wired up like this? 
Um, no, no. Uh, Makes sense, uh, really, I guess. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, I never uh, was committed to any particular uh, so-called scientific mm-hmm. uh, view of the world, uh, and uh, it all seemed uh, perfectly reasonable to uh, a perfectly ignorant kid uh, looking at, at the world and uh, hearing these uh, different experiments. Uh, uh, so uh, the, the, the so-called scientific medicine uh, all, always seemed like a, a closed dogma, uh, dogmatic way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. Were they just looking at things in parts or taking the brain apart and say, well, this is how the brain works, that kind of thing? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, since since about the 1940s, the medical the pharmaceutical industry has uh, shaped medical ideas uh, so that it's really uh, uh, an outlet for their products. Uh, uh, you you get a diagnosis and then you can uh, funnel yeah. funnel the drugs in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and anything curative like like the old uh, me- medical practice. Uh, Giving people bran to cure constipation, <laughs> like, like the, the Kellogg yeah. Institute, that, yeah. uh, that that isn't profitable to the pharmaceutical industry. Isn't that how the the the, uh, the Kellogg's guy started? Didn't he had a whole thing about constipation? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, What's the guy's was, name? <laughs> What's his name? Uh, uh, I don't remember yeah. his first name, but Kellogg. Kellogg, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So his whole thing was constipation, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and that in the <laughs> mid mid nineteenth century in England and France, uh, medical the, the autopsy cause of death was often given as a inflammation of the intestine, but uh, now I I think they see that just as often, but having an inflamed colon hmm. is a, a very common thing in in a dying person. Uh, but they don't think of it as the cause of death. Oh, because they just everything begins to shut down, and they just don't, they don't go to the bathroom much at uh, all. Uh, yeah, yeah it was pe- it was people like Walter Alvarez who who said, "See, it isn't toxins causing a headache; it's just the pressure," uh, and uh, that uh, took took attention away from the intestine as a constant source of toxins and allergens. But it's really our most susceptible interface with with the outside world. We're constantly putting these risky substances into our system. Risky substances, I like the way you say it. So that's why that some folks you've heard over the years where they they get constipated and they get a headache, and that those two tend to go together. Uh, oh sure, uh, oh. Uh, and asthma attacks uh, and seizures. Uh, oh. When I when I was about ten, uh, our dog uh, found a, a coffee can full of bacon grease uh, that had been saved to make soap. But uh, the dog liked the taste and ate the whole quart of bacon grease and oh. had a seizure, and uh, that started me. Uh, I, I think that was. Uh, what made Walter Alvarez's uh, publication so interesting that uh, to see a, a seizure brought on by eating fat hmm. uh, uh, 
I saw that uh, lots of people had uh, experimented showing that the intestine could trigger a seizure or headache or runny nose, sore throat, just just about any symptom you can think of can be triggered from intestine. So so the dog just had so much he just couldn't deal with all that fat. Um, I, yeah. Because it's probably generally pretty good for him, but not that whole can, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Dr. Ray Pete is with us. If you uh, question, comment, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. This is kind of an interesting one from Dennis. He said, I've just heard so much about this uh, classic quote-unquote autoimmune issue. Could Dr. Pete give us his his theory on this autoimmune problem that people keep talking about? For a long time, uh, people have noticed <clears throat> that women have far more autoimmune problems than men. Also, uh, about five times uh, the incidence of thyroid disease. Uh, and uh, there's a very close connection. Uh, estrogen uh, sensitizes your immune system. It acts on your brain and your uh, glucose supply. For example, it activates insulin secretion, uh, but it shifts your uh, metabolism away from glucose towards fat oxidation, uh, and that makes you uh, less able to oxidize glucose, turning it to carbon dioxide. And in the absence of the high production of carbon dioxide, you produce lactic acid. Lactic acid uh, promotes inflammation. Uh, and uh, starting with uh, the, the fact that estrogen slows uh, liver uh, function by reducing the thyroid hormone, uh, the slowed liver production uh, shifts you into that uh, lactate-favoring metabolism away from carbon dioxide. And uh, lactate causes inflammation of, of everything. Uh, autoimmune thyroid disease is just sort of the uh, the tip of the iceberg, uh, once the estrogen slows your thyroid down and starts inflammation there, uh, then all of your other tissues are, are susceptible to uh, chronic inflammation, uh, ultimately leading to uh, calcification or, or uh, fibrosis, excess uh, collagen production. And all this is cascading starting from uh, high estrogen levels? Um, uh, well, uh, women uh, normally uh, cycle yeah. uh, 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 two or three days. There's a surge of estrogen around ovulation. Then if they're healthy, well-fed, <clears throat> uh, the ovary shifts strongly to uh, uh, pro- progesterone production. The uh, diagrams in medical books often show estrogen and progesterone on the same chart. And they use a different scale. The production of, of progesterone is about a thousand times greater than production of estrogen in a healthy person. But they show them on the on the same graph, misleadingly. Uh, and uh, uh, so this little uh, uh, moment of dominant estrogen should be suppressed by a massive pouring out of, of progesterone for the rest of the month. But <clears throat> 
if anything uh, interferes, like if they eat too much uh, uh, vegetable oil uh, or, or too much uh, uh, starchy vegetables, uh, things that are uh, hard to digest, uh, uh, their uh, 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 energy level uh, decreases so that they don't produce uh, the, the normal amount of progesterone. Uh, starts with a, a premenstrual syndrome where they don't have the the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the energy and uh, sense of well-being uh, of the uh, progesterone-controlled uh, condition. Uh, and then in the absence of progesterone, uh, everything uh, tends to shift in an inefficient direction towards uh, uh, oxidation of fat rather than of glucose. And, and that takes a lot more oxygen. Uh, every carbon uh, requires uh, two oxygens if it's fat and only one oxygen if it's carbohydrate, which already comes with one oxygen. So you get a, a double supply of carbon dioxide, in effect, when you're using sugar as a fuel. And the carbon dioxide has a stabilizing protective effect that suppresses inflammation uh, and uh, tur- turns off lactate production. Wow. So so a lot of ladies could have a hard time going through um, their periods, and if they really... They could be eating some foods that are causing the things to be worse feeling, and if they maybe change their diet, if they could figure it out, they could feel better during this time. Is is that what I heard you say? Um, uh, yeah. Um, in the short run, hmm. eat, eating a lot of carbohydrate will make them feel better because it'll uh, provide uh, lots of glucose. Uh, eating eating rice. And bread and vegetables, for example, in the short run, yeah. can make a, a person feel euphoric. But uh, at some point, their liver uh, needs a good supply of protein to keep working. Uh, uh, women who have been on a diet for a long time, I've seen women eating uh, 15 or 20 grams of protein a day where uh, an army study found that even uh, average or small women uh, to work efficiently, even at office work, needed 100 grams of protein a day. Uh, and women uh, often are told that 35 grams a day is fine. But uh, all of the uh, really competent studies show that 85 to 100 or, or more grams per day are needed uh, for the the liver to function well, for the brain to work properly. Uh, so uh, just a, a protein deficiency makes the liver underproduce. Uh, in the 1940s, uh, some people did studies on on the um, uh, prisoners, uh, uh, war prisoners who were uh, starved. They noticed that uh, when they were let out of out of the prison camps and given uh, some good food or at least more food, um, the men fairly often grew breasts uh, in in the first year hmm. after getting out of prison, and they found that that was because their liver had been damaged from the prolonged protein and vitamin deficiency, uh, and the liver normally 
destroys or it causes excretion of 100% of the estrogen reaching it. Uh, and so if you starve the liver for uh, the B vitamins or protein in particular, the estrogen accumulates. So a man will, will grow breasts just from a, a prolonged nutrient deficiency. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that happens in women. And uh, uh, that, that's the basic cause of, of premenstrual syndrome. And uh, uh, the... The misinterpretation of uh, what happens premenstrually, uh, the estrogen industry, uh, starting in the 1940s when they had a a product to sell, uh, they convinced uh, the government, first of all, and the public that uh, these PMS problems and, and menopausal problems were the result of of a deficiency of estrogen rather than an excess. Wow. At the very same time, the, the researchers were showing exactly how the liver uh, keeps uh, estrogen under control when your diet is good. But the estrogen industry totally reversed that situation. They even sold uh, estrogen to prevent miscarriage uh, all through the, the late 40s and 50s. Uh, Doctors at Harvard were uh, convincing uh, doctors throughout the country to prescribe estrogen to pregnant women. That created the DES uh, syndrome, uh, cancer in the next generation. Uh, The babies who were exposed uh, in utero to uh, that uh, estrogen, uh, supposedly to prevent miscarriage, they uh, developed estrogen problems later in life. And wasn't uh, that whole syndrome, wasn't it blamed on some drug or something? Uh, yeah, the, the diethyl stilbestrol, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. synthetic uh, estrogen. Uh, and, oh, so uh, that was the it, cause? Uh, yeah. In the 1930s, uh, my professor, for example, uh, Soderval, uh, was a student of, of one of the uh, people who, who uh, showed very early that estrogen causes miscarriage uh, and my professor uh, gave animals graded doses uh, one animal would get a small dose another a bigger dose he showed that the uh, number of miscarriages exactly corresponded to the dose of estrogen they were getting so uh, uh, estrogen as a contraceptive or abortion producer was defined before 1940, but it was 1941 and 42 when the estrogen industry started promoting it to prevent miscarriage. Exactly 180 degrees opposite of what it does. And so that has created uh, more than 50 years of uh, total uh, confusion about what estrogen does. Uh, For 50 years, they prescribed estrogen to men with prostate cancer. Uh, it turns out that it is a major cause of prostate cancer, but it was given to men uh, to treat uh, their their prostate cancer, and, and it would cause uh, death from uh, asthma, uh, uh, blood clotting, seizures, uh, accelerated cancer in other organs, and so on. Uh, 
it, um, it, in fact, if you look at a man's uh, testosterone, the high testosterone men in middle and old age are relatively free of prostate cancer. The ones who develop prostate cancer are the ones with lower uh, testosterone and more uh, effective of the estrogen. Oh, that is fascinating. Dr. Ray Pete. Uh, I'm going to do a little break here, but before that, on the protein, you talked about the ladies and the protein, the lack of. Um, do, do, does it matter if, if to balance this out if they did animal protein or other forms of protein like, you know, you have rice protein or whey protein or, you know, some of vegetable protein? Do you think that matters in what you're talking about, the protein in the ladies and the PMS? I, I, yeah, it does, huh. uh, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, how, how to rank those different proteins, but right. gelatin, gelatin is one protein that is very safe uh, because it lacks uh, the three amino acids, which can be very toxic uh, if you're eating more than is needed. And they happen to be used uh, for growth, uh, so they're needed in uh, uh, the until you're about 20 or 25 years old, uh, they're used uh, for uh, expanding the, the body tissues. Mm -hmm. After that, they're just needed for uh, replacing uh, skin, and, and the, the cells that are turning over rapidly need uh, cysteine, methionine, and tryptophan. But if you eat, eat the young person's uh, requirement of those amino acids, uh, when you're 40 or 50, uh, they tend to promote uh, overgrowth, uh, uh, promoting inflammation, uh, excitotoxicity of the nerves, uh, and promote uh, tumor growth. Uh, so they're associated with shortening uh, the lifespan. Uh, uh, gelatin lacks those, so it's a very safe protein that can be, be added to those other proteins uh, uh, to, to balance it out and give you a, a mature person's protein requirement. Oh, you mean you mean like the Great Lakes gelatin or that kind of product? Uh, yeah, that's a good one that I've used a lot. Okay, so they don't have the, the three that that we don't need. Uh, uh, yeah, gelatin is uh, uh, used as the uh, basically the stiffening. Uh, glue that holds our other cells together, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it tends to increase with age. Uh, you won't uh, uh, increase your your rate of gelatin uh, of collagen production by eating gelatin. It, it uh, just serves to uh, prevent the unnecessary uh, stimulation of tissue growth. Uh, uh, a lot of people are. are selling gelatin, call, calling it collagen, which right. it isn't. It is. Collagen is the raw form in your tissues. Uh, it, to to buy actual collagen costs uh, something like $10 a gram <laughs> because it it, uh, it can't be uh, purified in, in a sterile form uh, without a, a great uh, lab process. I see. So if you're going to want, really want collagen... You should just get collagen from, I don't know, pig's feet and ham hocks and stuff like that. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the that's natural mm-hmm. uh, way way to get it. Uh, uh, chicken uh, backs and wings uh, and and feet, for example, are, are the traditional ways to. Uh, when a person is is sick, uh, they found that uh, giving them a gelatinous chicken soup mm-hmm. is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the reasons is the collagen and all the uh, and all the good things, the amino acids and things that they have. Um, uh, yeah, uh, and the absence of of, of those uh, excitatory amino acids is part of its benefit. And the excitatory again are what lysine. Uh, uh, no, glycine is is the quieting. Okay, uh, it, it can be used in the brain uh, as part of excitation, but its normal function and and proline, uh, these are the two uh, protective, uh, energy providing and stabilizing amino acids. The the ones that can be excitotoxic are tryptophan, tryptophan, cysteine, and methionine. And if we if we just eat animal Products we we're getting those in there, Doctor Pete, right? They're already in there in the meats. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But so, if you take extra stuff, you don't want to take the ones that have the uh, those in there because you can get kind of too too wound up. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 different vegetable proteins uh, vary quite a bit, so uh, you you could could uh, combine. Uh, some of them with with gelatin to, to get an optimal. Oh, balance. I see. You can add a little gelatin in there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, stay right there. Dr. Ray Pete is with us. Patrick Timponi. We have a lot of good emails coming in, and we're going to get to them all. And uh, he'll answer your questions the best he can. And uh, so we appreciate him coming on from time to time. You you like him? He's one of your faves out there. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. RayPete.com. You can sign up for a newsletter that Dr. Pete has. It's very, very nominal fee for a couple of years. I'll ask him what the price is again, but I know it's it's really, really, uh, really low. And it's raypeat.com, and that's where you can find him. Dr. Richard Ulrey, authority on minerals, talks about gut bacteria, making the vitamins, and absorbing the minerals, how it all works. We need vitamins from our gut bacteria so we can absorb minerals, and then minerals provide a resonant frequency And those minerals carry these frequencies into the body and multiple minerals will give you a frequency that allows all of our proteins to have individual distinct frequencies giving that three-dimensional structure. This is where Wayne's products, Living Stream, and that's the only primary products I carry. When you do a stool test and it says you don't have any bifobacteria, well, if you don't have any bifobacteria, you're not going to absorb certain minerals. If you don't have any lactobacillus, you're not going to absorb certain minerals. Here's an idea of a couple of the living streams you can take for what we're talking about here. The bifido, living streams multi-blend, and the living minerals. So you're getting the minerals, the bifido, and the lactobacillus. And these special probiotics and minerals are all in human DNA form, and they are living alive. In our store on OneRadioNetwork.com. Previously with Dr. Rulin Chu about her product called Pearlseum. So let's talk about the teeth first. Explain to me what's going on because there's something magical when you dip your little toothbrush in water. Why do they look so sparkly and just, I don't know, something very energetically about the the look of them. Yeah, it's uh, very, very magical. So like a group of scientists in uh, France... 
discovered that when you put the pearl next to the bones or uh, skins or other connective tissues, and they find it stimulates new growth of the bones and skins and connective tissues, and also uh, to make existing bones and the skins uh, more healthy and stronger. So brush your teeth with the pearl, then your teeth will make your existing teeth stronger, and also it will filling up, you know, teeth with the porcium, and the pearl powder will stimulate the new bone growth and also make the existing teeth very strong. It's really a great product. You'll love it. Take it internally or on your teeth, and you can click an order. See the ad right there, Pearlseum, the nice green container, Pearlseum, on OneRadioNetwork.com. If you're looking for a way to exercise and you just want to get something that's really easy, consider our rebounder. It's three thirty nine delivered. The Rebound Air lifetime warranty. Get one delivered in a few days. Set it up, and you're good to go. You just jump up and down and have fun, and you don't have to have special shoes. You know, you generally can't hurt yourself unless you fall off. It's one of the coolest ways to exercise. I've been using it for twenty five years or so, and you can use weights or just after meal, just walk in place, rub your tummy. Rebound Air Rebounder, and click an order one radio. Network.com. Ray Pete is a, has um, come back a few times, and uh, you you like him, and we appreciate Dr. Pete you coming on from time to time and and chatting with us. It's fun to talk to. Love all the all the research. This is a great great question from Jeremy. I just love eggs. I might eat maybe three four a day. Is is it okay? I mean, are these great food? Or what does Dr. Pete think? <laughs> all right. Well. Hey. They used to say it was a perfect food. Remember the commercials? Um, um, yeah, they used to be uh, the perfect food. <laughs> they used uh, to be. I, I've seen uh, the cholesterol and uh, polyunsaturated fatty acid content uh, analyzed uh, in in the 30s, uh, the 50s, uh, the 70s, and then recently. Uh, there has been a constant decrease in cholesterol content and a constant increase in polyunsaturated fat content. because oh, of, of the feed? Something. The feed? Yeah, the, they're feeding them yeah. uh, so uh, uh, efficiently in, mm-hmm. in the energy mm-hmm. sense. That, uh, in the pork industry in the 40s, they found that the highly polyunsaturated fats made the pig gain fat faster with uh-huh. less food uh-huh. and so they they shifted from the the higher protein and, and starch foods to the higher polyunsaturated fats uh, saturated fats also uh, wasted energy so the pigs stayed lean mm-hmm. and uh, that spread over to the the other branches of of agriculture uh, and chicken feed uh, has become more and more polyunsaturated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say, though, a lot of our uh, listeners have access to really good eggs, you know, the the real good yard eggs and even feed that doesn't have soy and it's all organic at yeah, like well, farmer's well, markets. Now, now, if you're getting a really good egg like that, is it a, is it a perfect food then? Uh, yeah, when I'm in Mexico and, and mm-hmm. know where the eggs come from. The real stuff. Eggs, yeah, the, the chickens get tortillas and vegetables sure. And, sure. and lots of bugs and so on. Uh, then I'll eat uh, four or five eggs a day. 
and it, it's okay to eat more. Uh, one person was in the news. He has eaten a dozen eggs a day for 40 years or something. No like kidding. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it uh, the, the cholesterol uh, myth was created by by the uh, seed oil industry, especially cottonseed people wanted to sell their product on the basis that it lowered cholesterol. Right. And things that lower cholesterol generally cause cancer and, and degenerative disease. But uh, in an experiment uh, many years ago, uh, medical students were fed, uh, I think it was uh, 22 eggs was the point at which they could show an increase in their serum cholesterol. <laughs> at 15 eggs a day, there was no increase because their natural uh, liver production of cholesterol uh, was inhibited when they were eating it uh, as if uh, the body uh, recognizes that it doesn't have to make cholesterol when it's getting uh, the amount in, in 15 eggs. Uh, the studies that showed uh, the increase of of serum cholesterol from eggs. The first ones were done in diabetic, uh, hospitalized, very sick patients. Uh, but uh, when you look at healthy young people, uh, you can eat lots and lots of eggs with no change in your blood uh, cholesterol level. There was a fellow that used to promote a kind of a live food diet, Agenis van der Planets, and he claimed that he worked with people over the years that they really had bad stomach problems that he would just have them do like a dozen raw eggs a day for a week, and it usually straighten things out. It's pretty strange. Have you heard? Have you ever heard about that? That possible? Uh, uh, yeah, I've seen several people. Uh, one a, a year and a half old kid. Uh, the second one was a man about seventy years old. Both of them had a, a diagnosis of leukemia, hmm. and uh, somewhere I had heard uh, about the uh, effect of egg uh, on the leukemia virus or something related to leukemia. Oh, so I suggested uh, an eggnog, sort of an orange Julius formula, mm -hmm. uh, egg, milk, sugar, orange juice, or vanilla. Yeah. Uh, and uh, both of these first two people who tried it uh, had a, a recovery, uh, no more uh, leukemia symptoms. And so over the years, I've suggested that several times for lymphoma, and leukemia in particular, but uh, in, in general, it's just uh, uh, you don't have to make it your exclusive diet, but having a, an orange Julius once in a while is very good for your health. Yeah, yeah. A big difference between raw or cooking the eggs, do we think? Oh, um, I, yeah, there, there have been experiments that, that show that uh, uh, something in the raw egg yolk is germicidal helps to disinfect the intestine, uh, which, which uh, somewhat is decreased by cooking it. But mm -hmm. but still, uh, you get almost all the you get plenty of uh, the benefit from a cooked egg. But it's better to um, cook it as little as possible so that the yolk is still runny, uh, because the, the the presence of the polyunsaturated fat makes it very. Uh, easily oxidized and damaged mm -hmm. by heat. You, you mentioned pigs, uh, and, and when we speak about these, let's let's say we're talking about really well tended, well fed, well cared for pigs, and not just commercial, right? Big difference. So, so if we can get this kind of a product, uh, any issues in your mind with pork? 
Um, uh, yeah, but it, uh, for about 50 years, the Department of Agriculture called lard a saturated fat. Uh, they hadn't checked their figures since the 1930s, but uh, a more recent uh, study showed that it's, uh, uh, I think it was 32 or 33 percent uh, polyunsaturated fats in lard. So it ranks up with the worst of the liquid oils for uh, uh, oxidizability. When I was a kid, uh, uh, grocery stores would have blocks of lard sitting out at room temperature, uh, just like a a lump of butter. But uh, recently I saw uh, lard in in a plastic bag looking like a a liquid fat. Oh, boy. Uh, And what was that made out of, that stuff? Um, uh, th- that shows the, the change of uh, diet on the fat. The, when the uh, source of, of energy is, is mostly starch and protein, <clears throat> the animal uh, turns it into mostly saturated fat. Oh, real good stuff. Uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, solid, yeah. solid lard, which right. stimulates your metabolism rather than poisoning it. I see, I see. Uh, and uh, uh, that... Uh, if if you are eating a, a vegetable fat, if it grows in the tropics, uh, it'll be more saturated because uh, the temperature of the organism uh, governs the saturation of the fats that it makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, chocolate, uh, for example, cocoa butter uh, grown in the tropics is highly saturated. Coconut oil uh, is highly saturated because uh, the polyunsaturated fats are extremely unstable at 90 degrees or 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is our body temperature. So the plants that produce those fats uh, would die if they were producing polyunsaturated fats because they would simply uh, die of oxygen reaction poisoning. Oh, wow. Uh, Patrick Timpone, Ray Pete. It's April 29, 2019. Here's an email. Can Mr. Pete recommend any kind of foods or supplements that could help someone recovering from long-term inflammatory bowel disease cause hair loss, sharp drop in lean body mass, skin that doesn't seem to heal, and from minor cuts, scrapes, and bruises? Hmm. Oh, um, the um, avoiding the things that produce inflammation and those are the, the basic thing that amplifies and, and sustains inflammation uh, are, are the polyunsaturated fats. And the bacteria that feed on uh, indigestible uh, plant matter, uh, we don't have enzymes to break down cellulose and uh, lignin and, and the woody fibers in plants. Mm. And so if, if starches and fats are associated with those indigestible uh, uh, polysaccharides, uh, then uh, they will be protected against our digestive system and feed bacteria in the lower intestine uh, and uh, cause uh, uh, the absorption of bacterial toxins, endotoxin and others. Uh, And so, uh, uh, for example, lettuce uh, is, uh, if you eat it in a salad, it's going to be an ideal bacteria food. So if you have a tough intestine, uh, you can 
uh, stand mm-hmm. the, the growth of the bacteria. But if you're at all uh, uh, prone to, to inflammation, then lettuce or uh, other undercooked vegetables are going to feed the bacteria that produce bowel inflammation. Uh, and so overcooked vegetables are actually more nu- nutritious than uh, uh, raw or, or uh, partly cooked vegetables. Our experiment with rats uh, showed that even rats can't live on raw vegetables uh, as an exclusive diet, uh, but they thrived on canned vegetables that are overcooked. Overcooked, so-called. yeah. And this, so this could be um, the reason why some people just don't do that well on raw foods. Um, yeah, and especially if you have colitis. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, very, very uh, bland. Uh, a milk diet, milk and egg diet, for example, is uh, often therapeutic for colitis. Very interesting. Here's a fellow. Um, uh, mom recently underwent mastectomy to remove a lump, and they prescribed an anti-estrogen medication that caused a severe reaction, a lot of muscle pain, bone pain, nausea, dizziness. Can Mr. Peake give his opinion of what could be going on here with mom? Um, uh, yeah, the anti-estrogen drugs have many effects mm-hmm. other than suppressing estrogen. Yeah. Uh, you can powerfully uh, decrease uh, estrogen production, inhibiting aromatase. If you thoroughly cut out polyunsaturated fats and use aspirin uh, and uh, other natural substances uh, are the are the things that block or the uh, production of estrogen. As uh, aspirin is just one of the the natural substances blocking uh, aromatase, and it's very safe uh, to to use in breast cancer. Uh, progesterone is another. Uh, there are several. Uh, plant-derived substances that are inhibitors of aromatase, but cutting out the polyunsaturated uh, fats, which are, uh, uh, they produce prostaglandins, and the prostaglandins are are the main uh, force activating uh, aromatase and estrogen production. Excellent. This is a fellow in Switzerland, Mm. Father, cancer in the oral tissues. Um, now he's free from cancer, but the x-rays have caused bone necrosis in his jaw. Um, anything that he could do from this x-ray damage? Can x-ray damage actually cause bone necrosis? Um, uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, I, uh, about uh, 30, 40 years ago, I noticed that uh, I was getting... Uh, a circle of uh, white whiskers, uh, and I realized that that was uh, that circle represented where the uh, X-ray uh, gun had uh, been used to make uh, dental wow. X-rays. Wow! And right after that, uh, uh, each, each time I had dental X-rays, uh, I would get leukoplasia on the inside of my cheek that would swell up and and. Uh, get bitten hmm. accidentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would uh, clear up when I when I uh, ev- 
eventually got enough vitamin A, but the x-ray uh, destroys first the vitamin A and uh, E and uh, uh, vitamin B2, the, the things that are light sensitive, are uh, the first to be destroyed by even low-dose uh, x-ray or ultraviolet light. Uh, and uh, the, these essential growth factors, regulatory factors, are destroyed in the bone because the, the x-ray penetrates uh, pretty well uh, even into the bone. Uh, and uh, uh, the uh, getting, getting your essential nutrients up would be the, the first defense. Uh, vitamin D and calcium uh, are the, uh, the first anti-inflammatory and, and restorative things, especially for the bone. And keeping the uh, uh, cortisol and prolactin down, uh, the, uh, besides the, the vitamin D and calcium effect, which tend to lower uh, prolactin and cortisol, uh, having your energy coming from carbohydrate rather than fats is protective. Uh, and uh, again, the aspirin effect uh, keeps the prostaglandin production down. Uh, so an anti-inflammatory program uh, protects against bone loss as well as uh, cancer. Excellent. I know that Dr. Peake considers estrogen kind of pro aging, and if high testosterone, for example, gives a man attractive traits like strong, muscular, deep voice, and courage, and all of that, then high estrogen woman is usually the one with attractive broad hips, large breast, and narrow waist. Being an artist, what does Dr. Pete think about estrogen as a factor in female physical attractiveness? That's an interesting question. Um, it, um, it does... Uh it increase the uh, fat on the thighs and hips uh, when everything else is in in good balance, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, one of the essential things for breast growth. Uh, but uh, if if it uh, comes at the wrong time and in the wrong place, it's also a masculinizing factor. Uh, it, it will uh, shift the balance in an embryo. Uh, towards male development rather than female, uh, and it's progesterone which protects against protects the female against the masculinizing effects of estrogen. Oh. Uh, so you have to uh, have a generous supply of of progesterone to keep down the uh, cortisol, which is uh, promoted by estrogen. Uh, estrogen. Uh, if you give an animal a, a, a large dose of estrogen, the first thing you're likely to see is bleeding adrenal glands because they're so overstimulated trying to make more cortisol to balance the estrogen that uh, it will destroy the adrenals if the estrogen is very high. But short of that, it raises your uh, uh, cortisol and related uh, uh, stress hormones, uh, and the uh, circulating free fatty acids are increased by estrogen. Uh, So when the estrogen isn't blocked by progesterone, uh, you get these stress syndromes, including belly fat. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ray Pete's with us. 
Here's an interesting question. I have a 10-year-old daughter, uh, very close to entering puberty, poor appetite, skinny, has some dental issues, tendency to be tired and cold, very emotionally sensitive uh, for any drama, watching movies. Apart from general love and support, could Dr. Pete offer any kind of ideas? Could be a good strategy to help to get her get her going. Um, and should I'm, we have our thyroid or steroid hormones measured? Um, yeah, it, it's good to check her temperature and pulse rate and see how they mm-hmm. uh, compare with kids of that age. But uh, uh, as the estrogen starts rising after the age of six, uh, especially 9, 10, and 11, uh, the estrogen is blocking the thyroid gland. Uh, in teenage girls, you often see uh, a puffiness at the bottom of the neck, uh, which indicates that the the thyroid gland is producing something, but it isn't secreting the active hormone. So the gland enlarges under the influence of estrogen. Uh, and uh, girls often have a, a crease uh, above and below where the thyroid uh, is because of that puffing effect. Uh, boys of the same age don't have creases in those areas because it's, it's very common for the, the pubescent girl to have uh, the bulging thyroid gland because the, the gland is trying to produce the hormone but it isn't able to, to release it into the bloodstream. Uh, and uh, that, that will uh, be detectable in the blood if the doctor knows how to recognize uh, the indicators. Uh, uh, Vitamin D and calcium work closely with the thyroid in sugar metabolism. Uh, It's uh, been been pretty much ignored that that vitamin D is connected to uh, energy and and sugar metabolism, but uh, your your thyroid can't work uh, properly if, if you're low in vitamin D and calcium. And so uh, getting lots of milk and cheese and eggs is important. Uh, not not a lot of the high phosphate foods like nuts, beans, and, and meats, a uh, moderate amount of, of those, uh, but plenty of, of uh, leafy vegetables, well-cooked uh, uh, cheese, eggs, and milk, uh, and probably a supplement of vitamin D unless you're uh, able to get hours of, of sunlight on mm. a lot of your skin every day. That's some good ideas. Uh, on uh, the 29th of April, um, I would like to know Dr. Pete's opinion on using the pure pine gum spirits of turpentine internally. Does he have any opinion about the good, bad, or the ugly with using that? Um, I've um, known lots of people who used it, and... Uh, uh, it it isn't as dangerous as as a lot of doctors <laughs> will uh, lead you to believe, but uh, you do have to be careful with it because it it, it can in itself be irritating. Uh, I, I always uh, uh, painted with it, uh, enjoyed the, the smell of it, and yeah. uh, felt it felt it was uh, very harmless, maybe beneficial, but uh, the the. Research has been biased against it by by the the funding from the pharmaceutical industry that yeah. has something uh, fancier to sell. Sure. 
Uh, here's an email. Is it okay to take bioidentical hormones as long as they are balanced if one has breast cancer, ER plus PRH is equals HER2 plus? I don't know what that means. Oh, oh. Uh, they um, uh, test for the receptors. Oh, the ER plus. Uh, but, yeah, estrogen receptor positive. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the receptors just mean that, that the cell is uh, able to produce and respond to hormones. Uh, and, and when it lacks those receptors, it's usually the most dangerous uh, uh, type of cancer. Uh, but the presence of, the horm- of those receptors is almost always misinterpreted by doctors. Uh, the uh, presence of estrogen, uh, I- instead of depending uh, on the uh, ovaries as the source, uh, once you get an irritation, the breast itself begins producing estrogen internally. Uh, and uh, what you need to do is, is first uh, find a way to reduce that by uh, reducing the polyunsaturated fats and prostaglandins, uh, inhibiting it with uh, things such as uh, aspirin. Uh, and uh, the um, function of progesterone is uh, on on all of the cells where uh, they have a, a progesterone receptor, progesterone inhibits cell division and knocks out the estrogen receptor and can produce uh, can inhibit the aromatase that produces estrogen. Uh, so where they tell you to avoid progesterone because it has the receptors for it, uh, the receptor means it's able to be inhibited by progesterone. But uh, bioidentical estrogen is just as harmful as a synthetic estrogen. They're, they're all doing the same thing. Uh, Activating uh, cell, shifting the metabolism away away from glucose towards fat and uh, uh, towards towards the inflammatory uh, uh, intrinsic production of of estrogen, uh, so it becomes self amplifying. Doctor Ray P. Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network dot com. Good morning. Uh, great stuff. Uh, would you? What would Doctor Pete recommend for rheumatoid arthritis? In both knees and wrists, I do not eat junk food, um, lots of vegetables, some fruits, bone broths, organic, everything organic, grass-fed. I do some milk. I do like cottage cheese, uh, Nancy's brand organic, and butter. But just have these kind of things going on in the knees. Um, uh, well, uh, with cottage cheese, you want to make sure it doesn't have added lactic acid because uh, bacterial lactic acid is pro-inflammatory. Uh, uh, cottage cheese is very good if it doesn't uh, contain yeah, say, added. Say it, it'll, it'll say lactic acid right on the label if you know. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, want that. Uh, uh, and um, in, in general, uh, you want the anti-inflammatory foods. Of, of, but uh, bone, when you say bone broth, it, uh, the collagen, which is the, the main uh, benefit of, of uh, a good bone broth. It is around the knobby end bones, the, the joints, more than the long bones. The long bone contains marrow, which is very rich in iron, 
and you don't want an excess of iron when you have arthritis. Uh, I um, ran across a, a woman who was convinced that her doctor knew what he was doing in prescribing estrogen for her rheumatoid arthritis. But uh, when I talked to her, uh, she couldn't get off the couch. Uh, her her husband helped her uh, from the bed to the to the couch. Uh, but I talked to her uh, two or three times for an hour, explaining uh, what estrogen does to the inflammatory uh, systems, uh, and uh, she was uh, convinced that her doctor knew uh, that, uh, no, that, that estrogen doing. should be helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she finally uh, tried giving up her estrogen pills, immediately uh, she recovered from her uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, a woman was visiting uh, Eugene from Sweden. Uh, she had had, I think it was three joint replacements and was going to have all of her other main joints replaced with with ball and socket <laughs> mechanisms. Um, she, uh, uh, a friend, gave her uh, some progesterone. She oiled herself all over with progesterone, hmm. and uh, uh, she immediately had no more uh, symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. She spent her time in Eugene, walking around, uh, enjoying the parks, uh, and uh, uh, said she was <clears throat> going going to. And not have any more joints replaced. Uh, uh, it can, uh, when you get the estrogen down and the progesterone up, whether you do it with diet or, or supplements. Uh, aspirin. One of the reasons aspirin is helpful for rheumatoid arthritis is that it turns your uh, progesterone, your estrogen production down and progesterone up. Uh, uh, an Italian researcher uh, named. Cutolo uh, uh, has shown that uh, uh, estrogen is being produced in the arthritic joint and that the problem is to reduce the estrogen, not to increase it. Mm-hmm. And then if you're doing bone broth for it, you said get some of these, I, I think you can find pig joints and these knuckles and things like that, not necessarily the long bones where you get marrow and then too much iron, and that's bad. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. The, the joint is <clears throat> full <throat> of tendons and ligaments. Yeah, that's what you want. All the gooey, all the gooey stuff in there. Uh, Dr. A.P. Patrick Timponi, Dr. David Jubb will be here tomorrow, and uh, we'll stick around for a few more minutes here and and wrap up all these emails. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Previously, Peter from Rhode Island called and talked a bit about his experience with Living Streams Probies. In general, what I've noticed is digestion so much better. I've actually lost weight in places where, you know, it's like around the middle a little bit where I've been trying for years to lose weight, and it's I don't know why. I, You know, I could make up some good reasons. Maybe I'm digesting my food better. Maybe some of these probies are digesting the stuff that's there. I don't, you know, it's like... Who knows? But it's working. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, I think you're onto something. I mean, who knows? Maybe the buggies are eating some stuff that should not be there, and that's why you're losing some weight. Maybe you're digesting your food better. Maybe all of the above. Maybe you're getting more minerals, which makes everything work mm-hmm. better. 
It could be all of the above, you know, in a multiple choice quiz. Thanks for calling, Peter. This builds on the argument that when we get the gut biome more in balance, good things happen on all different levels. So, yeah, a lot of good things can happen with these probiotics in there. And, of course, the immune system is right there in the gut. There's a great variety of them. You can call Maryland for more information on what each one of them are kind of pointed towards. 360-912-2981. That number is 360-912-2981. Call me or email me, and I, I know a lot about the products. Living Streams Probiotics in our store, oneradionetwork.com. Years ago, I recall David Wolf suggesting that all foods, superfoods, actually just gives our body information. And this came out last time we talked with Daniel Vitalis about colostrum. I imagine people being born with an unformatted immune system. And colostrum helps to format that, helps your body recognize viral and bacterial invaders early. And it also helps to restore and heal the lining of the gut that's damaged in so many people and one of the sources of inflammation and low immunity. So it restores that gut lining at the same time that it educates the immune system on how to better fight off pathogens that get into our bodies. And it's pretty cool too, I think, because moms can put it in the smoothies quite easily for the kids. And it's yummy, and they get some good stuff. Yeah, it's really great to blend into smoothies. Uh, you can make chocolates with it. You can put it into anything that you're cooking. And so it's easy to get into your kids and into other family members. It tastes great, and it's actually very versatile in the kitchen, so you can use it in place of a lot of other products. Yes, and it's very tasty and fun and easy to use. Sometimes, just late at night, you can take warm water with colostrum in there before bed. and hmm, It's a great product, a lot of benefits. Click on any Sir Thrival link, Colostrum One Radio Network dot com. Yeah, it's good, and, and you can get uh, two kilo, one tea kilo, whatever you want there. And also, that's a place you get pine pollen and elk velvet antler, and the shaga and the reishi, all in Myron glass. Excellent website, uh, Sir Thrival. Through our website, if you would click away and uh, see if they might have some products there that you'd like to play around with. Know the Source on One Radio Network. You can learn more about Dr. Ray Pete through his website. It's uh, raypeet.com and sign up for his newsletter. Lots and lots of stuff on his website. Some cool articles and he really kind of digs deep down in there. Patrick Timpone, April 29th. Um, we appreciate Dr. Pete coming on from time to time. Thank you. Um, Dr. Pete, it's so cool that you connect volatile organic compounds to nanoparticles. Can you please explain more about this? I didn't know you did that. And when did you do that? My most recent newsletter was about particles, Uh especially nanoparticles. But uh, uh, larger particles are harmful, too. Uh, they do, do different things in different ways. Uh, the nanoparticles happen to uh, be more efficient at activating inflammation, but uh, the uh, larger particles, uh, as much as 10 times the diameter of a red blood cell, uh, can pass through the wall of the intestine into the blood vessels, and those particles can uh, obstruct arterioles and and kill a whole region of cells, and uh, uh, so the the plastic particles are getting into our food supply. Uh, 
uh, all different sizes from uh, uh, hundreds uh, as uh, big as a, a bacterium to uh, 10 times as big as a red blood cell. Uh, a great range of particle sizes all have their different uh, toxic effects. And the, the larger particles in particular uh, can be coated with these uh, volatile organic, uh, especially polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, uh, which are carcinogenic in themselves. Hmm. They tend to stick to the surface of some of these particles and get carried into the bloodstream by passing through the wall of, of the intestine. Uh, the process is called persorption, and it's been observed for uh, about almost 200 years. Uh, and uh, over 100 years ago, the uh, second major study was done. Uh, then, starting in the 60s, uh, a German researcher has uh, published many, many studies on it. Uh, and um, it, uh, it it's a, a very common process. It happens whenever uh, you... Uh, eat on undercooked starch, for example, the starch particles uh, pass through into the bloodstream uh, unless they're uh, uh, in in the presence of uh, enough food to energize the uh, intestine cells to keep them from uh, being leaky. Uh, the, the the leaky intestine uh, isn't uh, just a matter of having holes between cells, but it's that the individual cell is weak because it doesn't have enough energy to to maintain its internal structure. It becomes uh, slightly more uh, tolerant of of uh, uh, particles and uh, 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 fluids uh, passing uh, through un unchanged. Uh, a particle will just press its way into the substance of a cell uh, and pop out the other side uh, into a, a blood vessel. Uh, uh, that has been overlooked uh, sort of intentionally because uh, of a doctrine taught to uh, uh, all biologists practically uh, that a cell has a barrier membrane and that it has to uh, deliberately uh, ingest a particle. But uh, the... the uh, the only barrier is that the cell is energized to maintain a, a water-repellent effect. When it loses energy, it becomes more tolerant to, to uh, uh, watery substances and particles. Uh, they can pass right into the, the substance of the cell. Wow, that's pretty geeky. So what's the takeaway uh, for our listeners as far as Avoiding nanoparticles, or and what's the takeaway from what you said? Uh, well, uh, clothes are are being treated uh, with uh, particles that have a deodorant action, uh, silver particles, for example. Hmm. And when these contact your sweaty skin, uh, the silver particles can actually pass through your skin into your bloodstream. Uh, Toothpaste is often uh, massively uh, containing uh, nanoparticles or larger particles uh, just because they, they assure you that uh, they aren't intended to be nanoparticles. Still, the microparticles, uh, once they're in contact with your 
your mouth membranes, or if they're swallowed, uh, they can pass into your bloodstream. Uh, salad dressings are often thickened with nanoparticles or uh, close to nanoparticles. Uh, uh, fumed silica, it's particles of uh, glass basically so fine hmm. that they will float wow. in the air. Uh, and uh, these are used uh, as a thickening substance in foods. Uh, and you notice uh, lots of supplements contain silica and uh, titanium dioxide, silicon dioxide. Yeah, silicon dioxide, yeah. Uh, and uh, these are often designed to be uh, uh, larger particles, but uh, even the uh, apparently uh, not nano, only microparticles, uh, these still can contain the nanoparticles that are most uh, pro-inflammatory, resembling asbestos for their effects on cells. Wow. So, obviously, then the more natural state we can eat our foods, the, the better we're going to stay away from these guys. Uh, yeah, processed yeah. foods are increasingly being contaminated. And you never uh, know either, right? I mean, they have an ingredient. And, you know. uh, yeah, for, for example, uh, there are things called food-grade lubricants to use on your machinery oh. uh, containing uh, Teflon microparticles as a lubricant, but they're food grade because they know they're going to contaminate the food, but they don't show up on the label oh. because they're just a processing aid. And uh, so uh, when, when a food is processed, if it comes in contact with the machinery, it might uh, be contaminated with food grade Teflon lubricant. Yeah, wow. Dr. Ray Pete, uh, another little plug then for our sulfur. A lot of the sulfur out there, almost all of it has silicone dioxide because they put it into capsules and they use it to make the machine works. And another reason why you just want to get the pure stuff like we sell. If you want sulfur, don't don't mess around with all these different excipients. They call them excipients. Let's go to uh, the, a phone for Dr. Ray Pete. Uh, good morning. Who's this? On the telephone? Hello? Well, we lost them. We'll go right back to the... Email here. Okay. Would Dr. Ray P. recommend having the mercury amalgams removed in people with neurodegenerative issues? Oh, he's got some mercury. You want to get those out if somebody's got some neuro things going on? Um, no, if they're old, they probably have released almost all of the mobile mercury. Uh, and an old filling, I, I think it's better to not mess with it. Uh, you're going to damage the tooth more taking it out. Yeah, a lot of de- a lot of a lot of dentists recommend with you there. If it's uh, and, really old and you can mess things up more than. And an, animal experiments in, in rats, they would pull a molar and test it, its mental abilities. They found that its memory was impaired with each. Uh, molar extraction, uh, and uh, uh, that is just because the, uh, the the mouth nerves are are closely related to the the brain yeah. function, yeah. and so the the more toxic or uh, traumatic uh, experience your, your jawbone has, uh, the the more it's going to affect your your nerve stability. Oh, interesting. Let's try the phone again. Good morning. On the phone, who's this? Yes, this is Brenda. Hi, Brenda. You're on the air with uh, 
Uh, Dr. Ray Pete. Okay. I just heard a little bit earlier him talking about estrogen and all, and I just had a question. Um, I've been doing the bioidentical uh, estrogen testosterone pellets for over four years, and, I mean, I'm like 65, so I'm postmenopausal. And and then I take um, progesterone um, supplements <clears throat> also, but I feel really great. And but I was thinking, but he's saying, you know, taking estrogen of any kind. Although I I had never done just the synthetic, uh, that's why I wanted to do these pellets since they say they're supposed to be like ninety eight percent natural as much as our body, you know, produces. So I just wondered. Uh, uh, testosterone thoughts. testosterone makes everyone feel good, male or female, uh, but the uh, women get the same effect pretty much from DHEA, which is the precursor of, of testosterone, uh, and uh, pregnenolone and DHEA uh, both will optimize your your progesterone and uh, testosterone uh, without as much risk of excess estrogen. Uh, After uh, the age of about 35, uh, the uh, fat tissues in particular, uh, the the more fat there is in the body, uh, the more likely it is to produce estrogen. And that becomes a continuous rather than a cyclic Uh, production of the estrogen. Uh, Normally, in a cycling woman, you you have about two or three days of a strong effect of estrogen. Then it's knocked out by progesterone. Uh, And uh, the cyclic effect is, if it's knocked out thoroughly by cyclic uh, progesterone two or three weeks of every month, uh, then the estrogen is not carcinogenic. Uh, But Uh, If it's not interrupted, it becomes even a small amount of uninterrupted estrogen as a a higher degree of of, uh, cancer producing. And progesterone, uh, it's normally produced cyclically, uh, and the liver throws off the excess uh, when it's been uh, present uh, for more than two weeks. Uh, and so you start losing the effectiveness of progesterone if you don't interrupt it and let the liver reset itself so it doesn't throw the progesterone off. Did that help you, Brenda, or are you confused? <clears throat> yeah, I'm, well, a little. I'm still confused. It's like, oh, trying to figure out what would be the better thing to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you're feeling good now, though? Feeling good now? Uh-huh. Okay, well. Yeah. But I've just, you know, wondered, like, <clears throat> for how many years it's supposed to be good to keep doing it. You yeah, know, I, sure. I have wondered about that. Yeah. Um, th- there's, there's really no need to supplement estrogen because uh, all of the tissues, as they age, uh, start to produce estrogen. Uh the skin, uterus, breast, uh, even the liver cells uh, can start producing estrogen rather than excreting it. 
uh, testosterone has protective effects uh, like progesterone. Uh, uh, I think the reason women live on average longer than men is because they uh, have more progesterone uh, or a Hmm. man's progesterone production is is very low in relation to, to testosterone. And progesterone can't be converted to estrogen where testosterone can. Uh, so uh, progesterone is uh, uh, more prote- protective in aging uh, th- than testosterone is. Well, I hope this helps with you, Brenda. Okay. Thanks. All for right. Me. Okay. Thanks so much. <clears throat> Bye. Uh, Jeanette says, um, I've enjoyed your show with Dr. P. Thank you for having him on. I hope he keeps coming back really regularly. I started eating chicken necks, carrot salad, oranges to help my thyroid with great results. I feel warmer, have more energy. And would you please ask him this? Okay. So far, so good. How does canned milk compare to fresh milk in terms of nutritional value? Canned milk. I don't wonder what they um, mean, canned milk. You mean like... Uh, oh, uh, concentrated. Concentrated, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it used to be very popular for sure. Uh, Baby uh, 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 Yeah, and uh, coffee additive, but uh, th- there was was a discovery in the 1970s that they were soldering the cans with lead. Yeah, and and the milk contained uh, much too high a lead concentration. But I think they've revised the manufacture of cans. The, the, I haven't checked recently, but uh, I, I think uh, canned milk is, is now uh, prepared in a way that doesn't contain high high amounts of lead, and all you lose is uh, a little bit of of the uh, uh, vitamin quality, and you have a little bit of oxidized uh, fatty material uh, from the heat process. Mm-hmm. So it, it is it, not as good as as fresh milk. But uh, you have a gradient from uh, fresh uh, raw milk to uh, pasteurized milk to ultra-pasteurized to canned milk. Yeah. And each, each time it loses a little value. But uh, I, I use uh, pasteurized milk almost always. You don't have a problem with pasteurized. Is, is she wants to know, is goat milk, kefir, and goat cheese good sources for calcium and protein? Uh, very good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. And, all right, let's move on to another one. Patrick Timponi, OneRadioNetwork.com. I believe Ray Pete mentioned on a past show, um, taking supplemental iodine does not do anything for the thyroid in his last show with you. I've taken some iodine and virtually gives me wonderful energy, for which I'm loving because I often have no energy. So I'm kind of confused on what could be going on. I wonder if it's safe to take iodine every day. Um, iodine can interact with the polyunsaturated fats in your body, uh, producing an antithyroid substance. Uh, and uh, I, I've got a, a file of about 70 articles uh, showing that the increased iodine in the diet uh, as a result of iodized salt, mm-hmm. uh, it has produced a thyroid disease increase and wow. is correlated with uh, 
increased uh, thyroid cancer as well as uh, various degrees of thyroiditis and nodules of the thyroid, uh, pr- probably because of its interaction uh, with the polyunsaturated fats in the diet. And in some people, at least, it uh, iodine in excess has an anti-inflammatory value. So it has been used therapeutically uh, to reduce inflammation uh, and can, uh, for example, uh, help polycystic breasts. But uh, uh, when it's taken chronically in large amounts, its tendency is to uh, have an anti-thyroid effect. So if you took too much, you could actually cause a Hashimoto's. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, this person says, I also read somewhere that iodine helps to control estrogen. Does Mr. Pete agree with this? That's the anti-inflammatory effect. Okay. Uh, you, you can demonstrate that a very high uh, uh, amount of iodine uh, reduces inflammation and counteracts that inflammatory effect of estrogen. But uh, some people are, are have the reverse effect, they get an inflammatory reaction to even small amounts of iodine. So you have to be very careful if you're experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ray P. Patrick Timponi, we'll do a few more. Uh, I don't know if you can do this one, but you tell me, Dr. Pete. Um, I've never really heard a, a clear explanation of how the, the, the male hormone system works. Would it be possible for Dr. Pete to give us this on a show? Uh, um, uh, well, it's uh, I- infinitely complicated, but it's a lot simpler than female hormones because uh, there isn't that uh, powerful cyclic effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman goes through two distinct uh, phases. The, the mm-hmm. estrogen uh, is knocked out by the, the progesterone hormone. man constantly uh, has to deal with those same e- effects. Uh, and, and so it if you think of it in terms of a, a long, long-range uh, stress effect, uh, testosterone for most of your lifespan is having an anti-stress effect. But if your thyroid uh, is uh, uh, interfered with in any way, uh, radiation or uh, too much uh, of certain amino acids, or not enough nutrients, uh, slow thyroid will shift you over to the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. Uh, that's where the, uh, the degenerative problems uh, start. Uh, testosterone should protect your nervous system, just like progesterone, and protects against cancer. Uh, but uh, when your energy is reduced by a, a falling thyroid function, uh, then uh, it, it becomes analogous to the, the female's problem. Uh, I see. Um, do you ever recommend to folks and to take, like, the actual supplemental testosterone, the pellets and that kind of stuff? Uh, oh, um, uh, well, a uh, uh, pellet is probably better than a, uh, an oily injection. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I would recommend it if it was available as pure testosterone, but... It's typically sold as testosterone esters, a completely chemically different substance, is dissolved in vegetable oil, often with a solvent 
a, a benzyl alcohol, which is <laughs> in itself toxic, uh, neurotoxic, uh, but the vegetable oil uh, uh, has its toxic effect in the, in the muscle if it's injected IM. Uh, and uh, so, so it's a matter of how it is uh, available. And uh, so I don't often recommend it because the forms... Uh, uh, usually uh, an injection will contain 50 or 100 milligrams of this testosterone ester. And a man, a young man, uh, might produce four or five milligrams a day uh, of uh, the actual testosterone. Hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, so you get the, these huge excesses uh, as well as the toxic breakdown products of, of the solvents uh, that, that are real drawbacks to the, to the use of uh, pharmaceutical supplements. So if you could get a, like a real pure testosterone, it might be okay to use. So, and uh, yeah, yeah it, it, and it produces a great physical mental effects. Mm. Uh, DHEA as the precursor to testosterone is uh, very easily available. And uh, again, uh, you don't want to take unphysiologically huge amounts. I've known men who developed an enlarged liver with estrogen as high as a young woman's when they were taking 25 milligrams a day of, of uh, DHEA. Uh, a full replacement dose is around 15 milligrams, which uh, an 80 or 90-year-old man might need. I see. A 15 milligrams. Anything with the DHA for the T or just by itself? Uh, d- just by itself is mm-hmm. fine. Little, just a little bit, though. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Uh, many plant toxins, writes an email, are, are antibiotics. For example, chlorellin, C-H-L-O-R-E-L-L-I-N, um, and allopathy is the, the science devoted to it. Can you recommend any effective natural antibiotics who folks who folks that don't want to go to medical doctors? Huh. Um, uh, yeah, the, the the two that I think are are safest for uh, uh, killing actually killing organisms are flowers of sulfur for use on the skin huh. and intestine. Uh, two hundred milligrams orally. In two or three days, it can uh, kill off uh, the, the uh, most toxic of the intestinal bacteria and fungus. No kidding. Uh, on, uh, on the skin, it, it has been used not only for fungus infections of the skin, uh, just dusting on flowers of sulfur or uh, <laughs> using 10% sulfur soap to wash with leaves a residue of sulfur on the skin. But it can be used uh, for scabies even, uh, uh, a salve made of uh, mixing butter with flowers of sulfur was tested and found just as effective as the brain toxic uh, uh, insecticides or scabicides that are used medically. Uh, but this flowers of sulfur, you do take it internally, 200 milligrams? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and it works on intestinal bacteria, the bad uh, guys. W- uh, yeah, the huh. fungus uh, hmm. has been, been the best studied. In uh, Candida, for example, mm-hmm. uh, uh, secretes enzymes that uh, convert the uh, flower, uh, the, the yellow 
crystalline sulfur convert it to sulfuric acid and poison themselves or, or hydrogen sulfide. Uh, so they uh, locally create a, a toxic condition that kills them, but uh, it, uh, it is very, very harmless to the intestine if you take a very small amount, like well, 200 milligrams. Flowers of sulfur. So that's very different from the sulfur we promote, the pure sulfur, right? This is a whole other product that's created from sulfur called flowers of sulfur? Uh, it, it's the, um, uh, the very fine uh, particles of, of sulfur, but they're... Uh, uh, they're quickly uh, dissolved and metabolized by the the organisms. Uh, so uh, I've never heard of a, a problem with... I'll be uh, done. Never even heard of that idea of flowers of sulfur, but that's a good antibiotic. Um, yeah, and aspirin, aspirin? Uh, when it's used with, with the uh, standard antibiotics, it, it can uh, greatly increase their effectiveness, but all by itself it has antibiotic, antiviral, as well as antibacterial and antifungal effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's too cheap to be uh, of interest pharmaceutically. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a study uh, uh, treating AIDS patients with uh, just aspirin, large doses, and uh, the results seemed very favorable, but no one promoted it. Okay. It was too cheap, right? Yeah. What about some folks who take aspirin, like uh, preventive-wise or just uh, in general? I mean, is that is it okay? Uh, yeah, it's something I do just just from uh, the known protective effects of it. I'll be done. Just a little bare aspirin. Just uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. anywhere from a hundred to three hundred milligrams. Yeah, I think one of the regular aren't the regular pills about three hundred, something mm-hmm. like that. It's hard to even find a pure bare aspirin. Though. They want to do all kinds of weird things to it. Oh, oh yeah. There, there, <laughs> you can buy a, a pound of aspirin for about ten or fifteen dollars. Oh, you mean just pure aspirin, like yeah. chemical store or something like that? Uh, right? Yeah, US, it should be USP grade. USP chem, um, aspirin. Is Doctor Is Doctor Pete familiar with NR? Have you heard that for NR imp- improving our, our lifespan? Improving. Uh, what, yeah, NR. Uh, just the letters NR. Correct. Uh, uh, the, the the only uh, product I know is Nature's Remedy. Yeah, uh, not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what what they have in mind. That's okay. Uh, what does Doctor Pete recommend eating for balancing progesterone? Is it only an orange? If progesterone supplementation is required, do you recommend uh, a drop of of the cream nowadays, and and how does one know when supplementation is required? My wife said that she feels like a million bucks when she was pregnant, and her progesterone levels were somewhat normal. Um, I, yeah, the the, um, the pregnancy effect is uh, anti-aging. Uh, uh, the, there were studies in rabbits that showed that each pregnancy, the estrogen. Uh, aged the connective tissues, but uh, the pregnancy left the rabbit younger oh, <laughs> uh, than, than it had been during uh, and before the pregnancy. So they, they looked at uh, longevity figures for, I, I think it was in the hundreds of thousands of 
uh, women in Hungary, and they saw a very neat relationship lifespan increased in proportion to the number of babies they had had, up to eight babies per woman. They had the longest life expectancy, uh, showing apparently the same uh, pregnancy effect, uh, uh, leaving a residually higher uh, progesterone level in the in the body, uh, reversing the pro-aging effects of estrogen. Very interesting. Here's an email. I went through menopause 13 years ago, and I'm no estrogen or progesterone from any urine test I've done. My doctor wants to put me on a compound hormone replacement therapy, but people have said, no, don't do it. My question is, would just taking progesterone help me with dryness, painful intercourse, and the feeling of learned helplessness? Um, Typically, uh, it does. Uh, uh, If you... uh, uh, create learned helplessness in animals, uh, their estrogen goes up and progesterone goes down, and you can reverse it with either progesterone or active thyroid hormone. Uh, And uh, when you give animals uh, an entertaining, uh, free environment, lots of things to do, their progesterone goes up and their estrogen goes down. Uh, And uh, with aging the serum estrogen goes down along with the serum progesterone, but that doesn't reflect the actual biological situation because estrogen is formed in any kind of cell that's under stress, but it is bound by the so-called estrogen receptor or estrogen binding proteins inside cells. It's produced there and retained inside cells and can't get into the uh, bloodstream in the absence of progesterone. Progesterone's function is to knock out not only the aromatase that makes estrogen, but to knock out the estrogen receptor that binds it and keeps it in cells. So when you uh, give uh, uh, someone a postmenopausal who has very low blood uh, or serum estrogen, you give them progesterone, suddenly the cells expel their estrogen, Uh, the liver uh, uh, detoxifies it, makes it water-soluble to leave in in the kidneys. Uh, So the the woman who is most under the influence of estrogen because of having no progesterone uh, uh, will show almost zero estrogen in the serum because it's all inside cells. Oh, I see. Oh, the fellow wrote back, Doc, the NR was nico, nicodiamide riboside, precursor to NAD, supposed to be key to longevity and regeneration. Um, those already reduced substances, uh, I'm skeptical that they're even making it hmm. into the cells without being oxidized on route, mm, unless mm. you inject them intravenously, and even then, mm. uh, the the blood uh, contains things that can oxidize them. But just taking niacinamide uh, will increase your intracellular NAD. Uh, that's very simple to do and economical and harmless. Yeah, just now, and it's harmless. And uh, 
that could increase uh, strength and longevity. Uh, yeah, the energy. NAD is is very important and is increased by uh, supplementing niacinamide. Finally here, then we'll let you go, and I wanted to just get your opinion from me. What's your make of this, your take on this whole big gluten thing that we've experienced in, what, the last, what, 15 years? And, of course, now they have gluten-free aisles at the store. Um, give me your perspective on what, what 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 went on here and what is going on with gluten sensitivity here with all your research. Um, there's an article on my website uh, about gluten, uh, and uh, it happens to interact with uh, stress and estrogen. Uh, uh, the, the gluten molecule, oddly, uh, has a stretch of amino acids that, that resembles uh, proteins that are uh, involved with, with stress, hmm. inflammation, and estrogen. Hmm. And, and so if you're uh, stressed and, and uh, tending to have high, high estrogen, uh, uh, you're, uh, you're creating a, a, a molecular uh, uh, antigen surface that uh, responds to uh, gluten in your diet. But if you're in very good condition, uh, have your estrogen under control, uh, the gluten is digested properly with, without presenting that antigenic uh, toxic effect. So a lot of this gluten stuff is is tied in with stress. Uh, yeah. Wow. Just like everything, huh? Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's a hormonal, uh, immunological uh, a process that gluten just happens to be a molecule that has this stretch of amino acids that, that gives hmm. us a signal uh, that amplifies our own stress inflammatory reactions. Looking back, do you have a good sense of how this whole gluten sensitivity, gluten-free thing started? Um, uh, Yeah, I I think a a bad diet that creates inflammation by not enough protein, Mm -hmm. uh, having unsaturated rather than saturated Mm -hmm. fats, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, generally poor nutrition, and uh, having... uh, uh, improperly leavened bread, uh, blowing up the bread quickly oh. uh, r- rather than soaking it for 12 hours in the old-fashioned leavening. Uh, the, the soaking uh, t- to let it leaven naturally with, with yeast, uh, in those 12 hours uh, at approximately room temperature, the gluten was digested by the enzymes in the, the wheat germ uh, and uh, uh, the, the pre-digestion uh, uh, kept us from uh, being exposed to gluten. Uh, so when they make the bread economically and, and quickly, the gluten stays there and gives the, the bread a rubbery, uh, elastic texture that is uh, pleasant to eat because it, it tends to be moist and, and, and soft. Right. But the, that gluten, which makes the bread economical and pleasant to eat uh, happens to be endogenic and allergenic. So there's a lot going on in the gluten world with doctors and, and stuff and healing that maybe is just not right. Uh, yeah, many years ago hmm. I, I was uh, 
interested in in baking bread uh, uh, and uh, made very tasty bread with a 12-hour leavening process, yeah. uh, I, had, I had previously noticed that uh, eating a slice of standard uh, grocery store bread would uh, make make me have bad sleep, mm-hmm. uh, digestive uh, discomfort that sure. woke me up repeatedly. Uh, when I baked my own bread that was leavened, I could eat a whole loaf of it at bedtime. And, and sleep perfectly. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, because you were you were using yeast and you just leavened it and you did? Or, or was it a sourdough thing? Sourdough culture? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, it was soaked uh, for twelve hours. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, destroys almost all of the gluten, converts it to uh, nutritious protein. So it's not only uh, less uh, pro-inflammatory but more nutritious. Oh, it actually has more protein. Ah, the wonders of the body and science and research. You just keep on digging. Well, Dr. Pete, thanks for coming back and, and being with us. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed having you. Your website, how do folks get your uh, your, your uh, newsletter? Yeah, um, it, It's, uh, the email address is raypeatsnewsletter at gmail.com. That's $28 for 12 issues over two years. That's great. Ray Pete's newsletter at gmail.com. We'll put that on the show page if folks want to click. Good job.